For everything indie. For everything indie. For everything cults. It's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into another edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. Still kind of basking in that offensive explosion, George, for the first time we saw this season. 34 points. I didn't even ask you on Sunday, but I'll ask you now, I guess, as a kind of to a way to put a bow on that Colts win over the Jaguars in week six as we start to look ahead now towards week seven. We still have one concern coming out of that uh, Jaguars game that we'll get into. And also, don't look fast, George. Every time we talk about the Colts, it's always been about the division when it comes to playoffs. Could this team make a wild card run? We'll discuss their sitting through one-third of the season in the AFC. But I forgot to ask you on Sunday, was the Lucas Oil Stadium scoreboard ready to, to put a three on the home side uh, number? My goodness, 34. Hope the, hope the lights are ready. I've been a long time since I needed to use that much of the scoreboard. There's no question about it. I wonder how Matt Taylor's voice is too. He had to call what four touchdowns, I think, on yeah on Sunday. That was like almost doubled the the season total. So, uh, no, I mean that was that was an offensive performance that was absolutely necessary, and uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how sustainable this is now moving forward. And long overdue, even going back to last year as well. Very long overdue. But I'm glad you you just said on a keyword there, George, sustainable. Because you and I were talking uh, before the pod today, you made a great observation. The Colts right now don't look out or don't look now. They're on a two-game winning streak. And these last two wins could not be more polar opposite, right? Thursday in Denver, they cannot score an offensive touchdown and really show any signs of life. That was a defensive-dominated game. Really, the defense kind of gave the offense a spark that they needed to go down and tie the game. And as we know, on Sunday against the Jaguars, Colts defense, especially in the run game, could not stop a nosebleed. And that was all on Matt Ryan in the offense, really leading this team to victory, scoring 34 points and, and leading them offensively. So it's two wins in a row, two very different styles, and two very different reactions by Colts fans, right? I mean, I'm including this on Thursday night. That was just pure disgust. They won the game, but it almost felt like a loss with how bad the offensive line looked, how bad Matt Ryan looked. And frankly, it was just more of like, all right, the, the Broncos stink, but I guess, you know, they're somehow even worse than where the Colts are. And then you look after Sunday, the offense looks good. They finally, for the first time, play up to their potential. And now there's some optimism coming out of this team. So looking ahead, George, you, you say the word sustainable, and it's very key. Can the Colts win like they did more going forward on Sunday, where they score and kind of is led by the offense? Or is this a team that's going to have more success being led by the defense? Before we get your and my opinion, we asked the fans. We put a poll out there on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey in the number three. And at GM Bremer on Twitter is where you can find that poll question. Just seeing what, what's the pulse of the fan base like? Do they prefer uh, one style of winning? George, let's just say they definitely do prefer. The fans are uh, much more happier, let's say, the Colts winning in an offensive explosion when the offense looking good compared to the defense playing uh, really good. 88% of fans that have voted in this poll have said we'd rather see an offensive explosion leading to a Colts win rather than defensive dominance. Let me ask you this, George. Will Colts fans get what they want? Moving forward, if the Colts are going to win games and be a contender in the AFC, can they win like they did on Sunday, uh, last Sunday, where the offense is leading the way? Or do they have to win more games than kind of going back to last Thursday where it's more defensive-driven? Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting to see, isn't it? I think that's kind of the 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 chicken or the egg thing right now with this league. You know, are you better off if you can stop people in a league where all the rules uh, favor the offense? Or are you better off if you can take advantage of all of those rules that favor the offense? 
Uh, and I think it, it's not just the fans. I mean, I think it's the media and it's it's the coaches. I mean, it, it's everyone. If you look out there at the power rankings, how often does a really good defensive team that maybe struggles to score get ranked higher than a than a really good offensive team that may have struggles on the other side of the ball? You know, I think everybody kind of leans towards that. The rules lean towards that. I think the Colts are going to have to. I don't think it has to look exactly like it did Sunday. But they're going to have to have a competent offense to to really you know make a run this year to win this division to go into the playoffs and do some of the things that we talked about in the preseason. You're going to have to be able to score consistently, and what does that mean? Probably 25 ish points a game at, at minimum. You know they they came in at 13.8, which is just unbelievably Pitiful. bad. And I think that's part of this too. I don't blame anybody who, who felt like this was some kind of revelation on Sunday. You've been waiting. Seven games, I think, going back to last year, maybe it's eight uh, for this team to score more than 20 points in a game and, and for them to come out and look the way they did, especially in the second half. Uh, obviously, it's going to bring a lot more optimism to people. Um, and I just think you, you go even Nick Saban's on board with this. You know, look at Alabama. They spread people out. They're a big offensive team now. Bryce Young and, and before him to a tongue of and Mac Jones. Um it's it's the way football has evolved. You know, Georgia's probably the one outlier out there. Uh, maybe the Steelers were the NFL's version of that. But, you know, they tried to lean into that this year, and it's not going so well for them. I, I think you have to have an offense that at least scares the other team, that at least can, you know, make plays when, when it needs to. I wonder this, you know, I kind of ask you, Ryan, is the old saying, you know, defense wins championships, is that true anymore? I don't think so, George. I don't think so. And you mentioned before, there, there's just too much right now. It's twofold. Number one, the rules too much favor the offense. Whether it's, as we've seen this, this you know, in the last few weeks, roughing the passer. Like, now you can't hit the quarterback. You can't touch any receiver down the field. So it's so hard to play defense in general. Now the rules are, are so slanted towards the offensive favor that, like you said, you're better off kind of going all in. If you have to go all in on one side of the ball, going all in on the offensive side of the ball compared to the defense, you know, you're better off being like the Chiefs compared to, let's say, the Legion of Boom and the Seahawks a decade ago because I don't think that style is really getting you uh, a Super Bowl and that dominance like they had in, you know, three- or four-year window in the early 2010s. I don't think the Seattle Seahawks would have that kind of similar dominance now because it's so much harder to play defense, number one. And also, number two, I think just the players and the talent is so high that it's like even when you're playing great defense, you have great defenders – the quarterback's accuracy is on point now. The receivers are freaks. The, you know, running backs are fast and strong. And, you know, even if you have good coverage now, you see so many dual-threat quarterbacks that even if you do everything right in the back seven, well, there's, you know, and then the quarterback break containing, making runs, and it's, it's hurting you that way. So you look around, especially in the AFC, you know, two of the best teams this year, at least through six weeks, Chiefs and the Bills, what do they have in common? Two high-powered offenses. Now, to the Bills' credit, they are way more balanced. They have a good defense. But the Chiefs, the last three or four years, it's like they've been you know, led by their defense. It's basically, we're going to score 35 points a game and bank on one, maybe two stops for our defense. And to Andy Reid and Patrick Holmes' credit, that's one more game than not. They got a Super Bowl doing it. And they you know, have four straight AFC title uh, game appearances. So I, I think defense is, is, at this point, trying to win a championship. That's... That moniker is dead. How about yourself? I agree. You know, I, I just think that everything that we see kind of points the other direction. I mean, it, it, how many times we talk about it's a quarterback-driven league? You know, what does that mean? It means offense is, is what's winning these games for you. You know, I, I think more NFL games anymore come down to 
you know, one drive at the end of the fourth quarter. It feels like every week, you know, it's sort of all over the league. Somebody's got the ball with two minutes or so to go, and then that's going to determine the game. And more often than not, what your quarterback can do in that situation determines the outcome of the game. I think that was one of the big things on Sunday. Matt Ryan made some plays that are just remarkable. There's one on Twitter right now. I think I tweeted out on game day that had no business being a completion. He gets hit as he's releasing the ball. The ball kind of somehow floats out there. Michael Pittman runs under it, turns it into a first down. Uh, I'm not sure who missed the assignment. I, one of the things that bothers me about pro football focus, when you're trying to grade the film, you don't know what the actual play call was. You don't know what the responsibilities were, but either, or maybe both Matt Pryor or Philip Lindsay really missed the block there. I mean, Lindsay blocked nobody, but Pryor blocked nobody. So it's tough to say exactly who uh, two guys came through. Uh, one of them ran right past Lindsay as he was running his run fake and absolutely destroys Matt Ryan on the throw. But Ryan to get that ball off was remarkable. For Pittman to get under it was remarkable. But I think we've seen Matt Ryan do that the last couple of weeks. I mean, you go back to the Denver game, uh, the, the play where Alec Pierce basically blocked out a defender. Again, yeah. Matt Ryan hit on the play, and the ball's floating out there. Um, you got, I think you've got to find ways to do that in this league. And it goes back to what you were just saying. Defenses can do everything right. You had two free rushers on that play. One of them hit Ryan as he threw. Still a first down. Doesn't matter. Like it's just it's so hard to play defense nowadays. Now we'll say with all that said, right, with everything kind of geared towards the offense, with it being you know, when the, if you have a franchise quarterback, obviously you're going to be winning a lot of games and always be in the Super Bowl conversation. With all that said, George, for this Colts team this year, going back to our question. I think they need, they're going to need to win more games like they did in Denver. Now, trust me, not as ugly. I would, you know, please, I would love a few offensive touchdowns and keep Matt Ryan upright. But if you look at how this team is constructed so far, you kind of mentioned it. Like, I think one of the, if the Colts were to be offensive driven, I think they have to be more explosive. Like, I don't think you can be a team led by your offense and have your offense be stronger than your defense when there's really no threat downfield. And there's really no way to create explosive plays. Like I do think you need an ability to score quick within a minute or two, or just have that one game breaker at receiver, at tight end, at running back that can you know hit a home run 80 yards. And now I know Jonathan Taylor's been out for a few weeks, and he's been able to you know no do that once or twice. But George, you look at so far this offense, like the low or the quickest drive that they have had. That's not been a turnover. Like, you know, you had Sky Moore fumble right at the goal line, so that's like a three play drive. It doesn't really count. But the longest, like, normal drive the Colts have had that led to a touchdown, the shortest one, I should say, is seven plays. So it's like it, they, they don't, they're not a two or three play, quick score, big time threat kind of offense. Their longest touchdown this season was Alec Pierce's 32 yarder with 17 seconds. Like that, that's the longest play the Colts have had that's led to a touchdown. Before that's Michael Pittman. And you have to go back to week one, that was 15 yards. Like they don't score a lot of plays out or a lot of touchdowns that begin outside of the red zone. And I just don't think you can truly lean on your offense to guide you to victory when you basically need to go on a 8, 10, 12 play, 6, 7, 8, you know, 8 minute drive every single time to score a touchdown and convert three or four first downs. I just don't think that's sustainable. And also, too, if you get stopped once or twice, especially early on, like we've seen this Colts offense get up to a hot, uh, slow start, it's t- they've been able to do it and credit to them so far. But it's still tough to ask your team against better teams and better defenses moving forward to constantly dig yourself out of a hole or make every single drive basically be touchdown or bust. That's where when you look at this team, I still think they need to rely on their defense. 
I agree with you. And I think a great point of that, that the game winning drive on Sunday was 11 plays. It was 227, but it was still 11 plays. It was a lot of, you know, dink and dunk and getting down the field. And I think it goes back to our favorite topic, the one that we just can't get away from the offensive line. Um, you know, I think they're just, you don't have the time to, to develop a deep passing play right now. You, you just don't. Matt Ryan can't stand back there in the pocket and wait for Alec Pierce to get open. I think he's got that ability. I think you saw a flash of it there at the end on that 32-yard touchdown. I think if you get better protection moving forward, he can be a guy who stretches defenses. We know Paris Campbell can. We've seen him do that in years past, you know, the 50, 60-yard touchdown play. Uh, but right now, I don't think that can really be a part of the Colts playbook because if you're asking Matt Ryan to take a seven-step drop and wait and let that guy get separation and throw the ball downfield, he's going to he's gonna die before the play is, is completed. You know what I mean? There's just no... There's just no way around it right now. And that's why I think, you know, when we talk on Sunday, my game ball from this week goes to Frank Reich because he found a way to scheme up around this offensive line against a Jacksonville team. We know Jacksonville's entire dominance of this series, especially the games down there, has been winning in the trenches. And even the games the Colts win here in Indianapolis are ugly most of the time. And it's because Jacksonville's beating them up front. They were able to kind of neutralize that on Sunday. Uh, and really, I think even early in the game, we were talking earlier, you were re-watching the game, and, and there were some ugly moments in the first half of this game. There's no doubt about it. A lot of that still was self-inflicted stuff with the Colts. It wasn't necessarily um, you know, them not running the scheme well. It was penalty on the first drive that kind of yep. killed it. You know, just little, little things that they don't do right. Uh, and that's, that goes back to, I think that just all feeds into the point that you had. When you're able to have that quick strike, Kansas City, Buffalo offense, and you can do it in three plays, you don't have to worry so much. When you're going 11, 12, 13 plays consistently, there's just that much more time for a penalty, a bad snap, just a, a regular play where the defense makes a good a play and puts you right. behind the, 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 the sticks. Right, so you're like, it's such an uphill climb where if you get like, it's almost kind of like a triple option team where it's like, well, things are rolling and you're always ahead of the chains. Okay, sure, you could score 45 points a game. Like, you know, we've seen Army or Navy hang some big numbers in college football, but you see as soon as it's like second and 12, third and nine, the offense stalls and it's like, you're right, you just go off schedule, even for one or two plays, you're asking a lot for your then offense to come through. Now, again, Matt Ryan and the Colts have done so. But it's like to basically rely on that to, to win games, I don't think is sustainable. And maybe even an easier way to kind of break this down. I know fans want to see offense. Again, I want to see offense too. Like, George, I'm sure you did. Offensive mm-hmm. touchdowns are fun. It's fun to see the offense have success. The NFL knows, and that's why they've driven uh, or geared so many of the rules towards offense. Fans like touchdowns. They like big plays. But it's like, so even if, like, let's just pretend if the Colts were not playing uh, the Titans this week, let's say they're playing the Chiefs. Like, is the game plan going to be, oh, we're just going to outscore them, getting a shootout, and and win 40 to 35? Like, no. They won that game because their defense played one of the best games of the season. Like, so far, they have three wins. Two of the three have been on the backs of the defense. And so now that we're sitting here a third of the way through the season, and for a majority of your wins, it's been, you know, more defensive-driven than offensive-driven. I just right now can't see, or I wouldn't scheme up or rely, I should say, even after one good game, I'm not going to get it caught up on, oh, the offense looks really good, so let's just kind of ride them. I think, I mean, play to your your talent right now, and that's still needing your defense to step up and limit a lot of these offenses. And I think that goes back to one of the other things that we kind of discussed this morning. What is the identity of this offense now? You know, for years, it was run the damn ball. 
And that really started in 2018 in the Buffalo game. They had 200 yard game. I think it was like 36 to five. It was a really weird final score. They go back the next week and they win in Oakland and they rush for 200 more. And that, that really was kind of cemented this whole idea that, that they're going to be a bully team. They're going to run the ball. Still had Andrew Luck at that time. And he still were, were a run first football team. I wonder if perhaps that era died on Sunday. That's one of the questions that I have, you know, are they going to be, even when Jonathan Taylor comes back this week, are they going to be more past to set up the run? Because I think that's what you need to be in the NFL. Uh, but I think that's twofold. One, will the offensive line let them be that team? And two, is it the best use of the personnel? I would argue from what we've seen from Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman Jr., Mo Alley Cox, Kylan Granson, Jelani Woods recently, I would argue, yes, the personnel is there to do it. I'm with you. And right, like, I, I totally agree. And especially, you know, as you look up at this big road test on Sunday against the Titans, like, if Jonathan Taylor does return and is back, right, I'm with you. I still think it's a pass first. I think, like, what we saw on Sunday can be a recipe for success. And now they're going to score 34 points every single game and Matt Ryan, the upright. Absolutely not. Right. I still am not ready to say that even at just, you know, one game is nice, but the one thing we have yet to see so far, George, from this team is consistency. Forget just one game to the next one half to the next, you know, this team has not played a complete game yet this season. So, and by no way am I going to be, you know, saying, Oh, what we saw on Sunday is going to, you know, that's the form oh, that's, you know, going to be replicated moving forward. I think, you know, neither of us are saying that with that said, I think the formula for how they won, is how it has to go down moving forward, even with Jonathan Taylor returning. You're right. This has to be a pass-first team that passes to set up the run. That should play to the offensive line strengths, get the ball out quick, kind of get Tennessee back, and maybe that can open up some more running lanes for Jonathan Taylor because so far when he's been in the game, through four games so far when he's been healthy, they, they've tried to run the ball first. It has not worked, George. So there's no reason to try to go back to that. I think you're right. I think run the damn ball that era for four years. I think we can put it, get the grave, buy the tombstone, RIP. Started with the Buffalo Bills, ended with the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. It has to be now going forward past first step the run. Yeah, I, I think you've got to play into to what you have, right? To what your team really uh, is telling you it is. And I think we've been waiting all year for this offense to kind of show an identity. I think that's what Sunday did. It showed us who they can be, a quick passing game, you know, get spread the ball around, let your playmakers make plays in space. And then I think if you add a Jonathan Taylor running game to that formula, it can be a pretty good offense. It's not like you said, it's not going to be Kansas City. It's not going to be a quick strike offense. It's not going to be an offense that puts up 30 points a game. But I think it can be an offense that scores more than 13 points a game, which is what it was the first five weeks of the season. Absolutely. And if you're doing that, like, again, this defense outside of Sunday has played really well so far through the first five games that if you're scoring – 24 points per game you're winning more than you're not and it's a it's a very interesting schedule too george you kind of look ahead after this tennessee game and after they kind of finish that big stretch um against the you know divisional opponents where it's first uh five division opponents in the first seven games like they play the commanders you have the patriots the raiders the eagles steelers cowboys going into the bye like that's a big stretch going forward here where you can not only, you know, make a run, but you're also going against some good defenses. They're going to provide a good test where, honestly, you look at any of those teams, I don't f really fear any of them scoring 27, 20 points per game. So it should be, I say, relatively lower scoring. But again, you're scoring 24, 27, 28 points a game if you're the Colts offense. You don't have to be, right, top five in the league. 
But if you're just middle tier, this should be a playoff team. And it's kind of goes back to, if, you know, which side are you going to like are the Colts going to be more successful this year if they're, if they lean more on their defense and their offense, 24 points is still, you know, a good amount of points. 27 points is still a good amount of points for sure. But it still goes back to kind of relying on defense to make, you know, a few stops and neutralizing some of these high powered offenses you're still going to face. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to win a shootout with Kansas city. They're not going to win a shootout with Buffalo. I don't know. We're going to find out later in the year. I don't think they're going to win a shootout with Philadelphia, to be honest. Um, you know, I think Philadelphia is probably one of the more balanced teams. They're, they're right now looking at the best team in the NFC, but um, I don't think they're necessarily looked at as, as a really offensive juggernaut, but they're, they're doing it in a, in a very unique way with Jalen hurts and that, that run game. And I think that's an offense. The Colts probably don't want to get into a scoring competition with, you know, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how it goes moving forward. But I do think maybe you're starting to see the identity of this football team change a little bit. Uh, and, and a lot of that is due to Matt Ryan. What are his strengths? Well, pushing the tempo, getting the ball out fast, spreading it around what we saw on Sunday, the biggest key to Sunday though. And it's the one that, that has to be, you know, goes back into your, your comment about consistency, no sacks, no turnovers, you know, You've got to continue to live 21 sacks and, and what was it? 11 turnovers. I think in the first five weeks, that's how you end up as the lowest scoring offense in the league. That's the biggest thing from Sunday. They've got to carry over anything else scheme wise, or, you know, run pass comes secondary to protecting Matt Ryan and protecting the football. hundred percent, hundred percent. Like I said, I hope I really do hope, like I said, the, the identity of the Colts was established on Sunday, their identity of being a pass first, doesn't matter if you can't push the ball down the field 20 yards. And even if the offensive line, you still don't trust to have Matt Ryan take a seven step drop and, you know, try to air it out, you know, 40 yards. I still think his arm would be able to make the throw. Like the Alec Pierce throw looked good. But you, as you mentioned before, I just don't think still, even with how good the offensive line played on Sunday, you feel good enough to that point where you can now start calling consistently deeper routes and try to push the ball down the field, become a more explosive offense. But Hey, like you said, as long as, long as you're not turning the ball over, and keep Matt Ryan upright, you see this offense, they could score. They could stay on track. They can get positive uh, yards on first, second down, staying third and manager, which they did a great job of doing for most of the game on Sunday. And they can get in the end zone four times like they did it and look really good for the first time this season. Speaking of the Colts looking good, George, now as we are a third away through the season, you look at where they're at at three, two, and one. I would say the AFC so far through the first third of the season has been a little disappointing. And as we sit here heading to week seven, the Colts right now are a playoff team, the seventh and final wild card. We've always talked to the Colts in the vein of division winner, where this is going to kind of be a, a one bid division, if you will. Can the Colts, if they don't win the division, still make the playoffs as a wild card? We'll discuss that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. As always, like, download, and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So we're third away through the season, George. And as we sit here, for how bad the Colts have looked the first, let's say, five games of the year and how down we've been on them, well, they're sitting there three, two, and one so far through six games, and they currently hold the seventh and final wild card berth when it comes to making the playoffs. Like we all thought the Jets are four and two and just, just above them. So, so far, all our season predictions right now are spot on for sure. But anytime we talked to this team, anytime we talked about, you know, the AFC South, we always assume the division winner is going to make the playoffs and that's it. Like no one else is going to make a wild card because the AFC is so deep. And right now the Titans and the Colts, you know, one of them will be good. And one of them we don't think will be strong enough to, uh, to still make a push through six games. Has your opinion on that change? Could this turn into a two bid 
uh, division. Could you see the Colts, if they don't win the AFC South, could they still make the playoffs in your mind? Yeah, I, I still think winning the division is is obviously going to be your best bet. That's all, all, always the best way in because you get out of all the other intangibles that go into this and, you know, some of the craziness. And then I look at, at, at the rest of the AFC right now and I think, well, you know, Miami's on the outside looking in right now. If they get two a back and get consistent, are they going to be a better team the rest of the way? Can Cleveland stay close enough that maybe they can make a push with Deshaun late in the year? Um, you know, will either the the Broncos or the Raiders wake up and be a better football team like they were expected to be? There's a lot of teams out there that seem like they're not living up to expectations. Baltimore's kind of in that same boat. Lots of lo- late, close losses with them that, you know, if they tweak a few things. I don't think you want to get into that that race. I mean, sometimes you don't have a choice, uh, but I don't. that's not your, your best, most comfortable situation to be in. You know what I mean? Uh, because there's just so many things that can happen. You get into these wild tiebreakers and I think right now, obviously the Colts record against the conference is not great. They're not going to win a lot of tiebreakers as it stands, but here they are after a horrific start by almost everybody's standards. Uh, they wake up this morning. They're the number seven team in the AFC Tuesday morning. They wake up as the number seven team in the AFC. And the really crazy thing is if they make the kick in Houston, they'd be number two. <laughs> yeah, actually, wow, that's great. The Colts are one hot rod miss field goal. That is, you're right. And that's just mind blowing. And it kind of just is it perfectly encapsulates right now is how down the AFC has been. And, and even with the Chiefs, like Chiefs and the Bills have clearly been the, right now the class of the conference for sure. But even the Chiefs, we saw them lose to the Colts. And the Colts are down very bad uh, back in week number three. So you are right. Like, and the Colts are including this. Everyone outside of those two teams have had some sort of disappointing start to the season where you look and it's like, okay, you really can't feel great about anyone. You just kind of ran down. I'm like, sure, I can look up and, and look at this setting and say, well, you know, the Colts have not played well right now. I can't say I feel good about them. But, okay, then the flip side, who do I feel good about? Outside of Kansas City, outside of Buffalo, I can't find a team. Like, I'm, I'm a believer in the Bengals. I think they'll turn around. But also, I've been saying that for six weeks. And so far, you know, offensively, they kind of can't get it going here. You mentioned the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens blown three double-digit leads already. So it's just, it's to the point where right now you don't feel good about many teams outside of the top two, but at least when it comes to the Colts being a a true wildcard contender, I'm not trying to cop out of the answer right now, George, but I'll I'll say this. I want to make my judgment on that after this week, because we just kind of mentioned before, this is such an inconsistent Colts team where the first half for the most part, they look like crap. The second half, they look like world beaters. They can never play a full game. They can never have the offense and the defense both playing well at the same time. You had a great offensive game against the Jaguars on Sunday. I want to see you're going on the road against a big-time bitter rival in Tennessee, a a team that you have not been able to beat recently whatsoever. Can you go to Tennessee, get a a very good road win, put two good performances back-to-back together? If that's the case, then yeah. Obviously, you'll catapult to first place in the division, but I'm then would start to buy into this team as you know what? Slow start, but now this team is looking like a, a one of the seven playoff teams in the AFC, whether that's just through the division or whether it is competing for a wild card. But right now, even with how inconsistent everyone else has been, George, like I just the Colts are in the same thing. So I can't I can't truly sit here right now through six games and say, yes, I could see them as a true wild card contender. Because again, they came and played two good halves. I don't want to see that first and two good games before I kind of start buying in to a legitimate playoff team. Yeah, consistency is the biggest question. I think that's a buzzword for this team moving forward. And they've done some things. They found some ways to win. You got to do that in this league, obviously. You know, scrapped around, pulled out a game in Denver, 
scrapped around, pulled out a game in Kansas City. Uh, but you're right. They haven't done anything close to, to back-to-back impressive performances yet. Uh, and, and really going down to Tennessee in, in a must-win game again. I mean, it feels like we say that every week. Uh, but it has been that way every week. It goes back to, to week one and week two. You know, we talked about that a lot. Go into Houston and improve you could win in week one. They failed. Go right. into Jacksonville and prove you can get that that curse off your curse off your back. They utterly failed. And now you're going to come in to, to Tennessee. Well, here's a third chance to to kind of start to change the opinions about who you are and and who you can be. Uh, I don't think the Titans have been dominant by any stretch of imagination. They won that game here, obviously. Uh, one thing about them. And I think it's just been their, their identity since Mike Vrabel became their head coach. They get the most out of, of that roster. They get the most out of every game. They don't beat themselves. They push everything to the limit. And, you know, I think the Colts can learn a little bit from that. They maximize all their talent. They maximize all their effort. And I think that what's, that's what makes them such a tough opponent. You got to go down there and you got to match that on Sunday. Not an easy thing to do. And that's a great point too, George. Is, you know, as obviously, you know, that matchup's coming up. I'm glad you brought that up because I think for the last year and a half, let's say, or, you know, 2021 and this season too, that's an area Frank Reich is used to excel at that I feel like the last year and a half you can get on for and not doing so. Like Angela coming back and, and him throwing 40 touchdowns in his first year back, you could say he got the most out of the roster. 2019, and they started the year at five and two. I know they just collapsed on the stretch of mission playoffs, but when you have your franchise quarterback retire two for the season, at least you get off to a hot start. Like, there's no slow start there somehow. Go figure. When you have that catastrophic event happen to your team, and after a slow start with Phil Rivers coming to town, again, that was a team that won 11 games, and I still think to this day should have beat Buffalo in that wild card game on the road to where it's like that. Those three years, Frank Wright absolutely maximize the talent. And then you look at 2021 and so far through six games of 2022, that's where he's failed. And also, you know, concurrently, that's when the Titans really started their reign, um, you know, towards the tail end of that 2020 season when they won the second matchup, but then they just been lights out against the Colts ever since. And that's, that's a great point, right? Cause that's a team where talent wise, again, you look at going to this matchup. I think the Colts are the more talented team, but like you said, it just, they still haven't been able to, to put a good game together and it's even just this matchup, especially George. And you look at polar opposites. The Titans are a, a, a dynamite first half team, awful second half team. Colts are one of the worst, if not the worst, first half team in the NFL, and are pretty good in the second half. The formula to win should just be pretty easy. Just don't be, don't start off slow, and you should be able to win the game. Easier said than done. But this is this is a huge test. You're right. I feel like we we've, we've been repeating that. For a while now, that's, I think, part of the emphasis of just getting off to a strong start is every game meaning so much. And you went to the first matchup after you beat the Chiefs. You know, we we circled that Tennessee game and really put, you know, highlighted as, as importance of, hey, you can kind of erase the woes of the first two weeks by beating Tennessee, now getting back on track. Lost that game. Here we are again, George. You go to 4-2-1. and one. How this started and 3-2-1 and one in the division. Obviously not perfect. Not what you sign up for. But considering the start, you feeling pretty good about the direction so far this team heading to that, you know, the last two thirds of their schedule after if you were able to get a win in Tennessee. I think we said, I know we said, you know, during training camp, if they're four and three after seven games, you're going to feel pretty good. Not great. Not, not on top of the world, but you feel like, okay, this could be a team that could do something now against all odds. They have a chance to, to do that, you know, four, two and one. 
Uh, I never would have guessed that after after the loss to Tennessee. You know, when they dropped the one, two, and one, there's no way I thought that they would have a chance to be a four win team coming in. You know, after that rematch against Tennessee, so the the season keeps giving them more chances. It feels like you know every time they they they've kind of dropped the ball, something's risen up and, and said, okay, here's another shot. I, that's not we we talked about it last week before Jacksonville. That's not going to last forever. The AFC South won't continue to give you chances forever. The AFC won't continue to give you chances forever. Feels like this is a pretty big one to grab on Sunday in in Nashville. And especially too, George, one of the themes and one of the reasons why we put such a huge emphasis on this pod of starting off the year good, right? Not just because the Colts have been notorious slow stars the last few years. Not just because now you know you have five division games in the first seven games of the season, but also too, like this team. You know, you don't want to be having to dig yourselves out of a hole you start and having to basically have games in November, December be must wins. So now you mentioned if they if they win on Sunday and they're sitting there at four, two and one and you're three, two and one in the division, you kind of look ahead between, you know, after the Tennessee game towards the bye. Those six games, you have the commanders right now who are reeling, the Patriots who okay, kind of the same level, the Colts inconsistent, but Bailey Zappi now is taking over. I don't think he's gonna be Tom Brady 2.0. Maybe I'm wrong. The Raiders have been a disaster to start. The Eagles right now, the only undefeated team left. Steelers right now are a mess. And the Cowboys have a really good defense. And the offense, you'll get Dak Prescott then by that point. But Cowboys in the year two always tend to crumble. Even if you go, let's say, three and three in that stretch, I think it's fair right now. And you're sitting at the bye, seven, five, and one. And you are doing something you haven't done the last few years, which is buying yourself a little bit of time and buying yourself a little bit of margin for error whether that's competing for the division or competing for a wild card, you seven, five and one through what would that be 13 games. I feel pretty good at that point, George, with the Colts chance of making the playoffs compared to if you lose the game to Tennessee and then you kind of, you know, start going forward from there. Maybe things will unrival. But like this is, you know, this stretch here, seven games is huge. But when it comes to kind of the original conversation of being a wild card contender or not, it's there for the taking. Like this is not a murderer's row stretch where they should be able to set themselves up to be in position to to make a run. So that's when I think it's in their hands as always. I feel like we're and all the yeah, it absolutely is, but I think one of the things that the highlight you know where you're talking about those opponents, a lot of them are going to be key tie breaking situations. You look at a team, you know, like the Patriots. That's probably somebody you're going to be head to head with for for a wild card spot if that's where you find yourself at. You know. You you got to win these kind of games, and I think Tennessee, obviously within the division, is a, is a key tie breaking spot. You don't want to give them the sweep, you know. If if they win this game and they've got the sweep again, then you're going to go through the last what will be eleven games of the year, 12, 10 games of the year at that point. Um, you know, completely chasing them again, which has has been the case for the past two three years. You've got to avoid that. You win this game in Tennessee, it sets you up in so many ways, like you were talking about. Not just from the division, obviously, but from this wild card standpoint, you want to win your conference games. A lot of those games in that six game stretch are games that are going to be important in that kind of conversation. You know, are the Raiders going to get up off the 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 mat? Well, the Colts can help them not do that. Right. I mean, those are the kind of things that 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 become very important right now. You've got to win these head to head battles, and it all starts Sunday in Tennessee. Would love to just uh, Josh McDaniels gets a little breath of life just to shove him back down there in a few weeks. That would be a, a nice little, uh, ni- a nice little reminder that Josh Daniels is still the hatred still runs deep for that snake for sure. But you're right. Also, too, like you look through this first seven games after the Tennessee game, they're all conference games. 
So again, like that, that's important. So if you're four, two, and one in the AFC through seven games, it's good for again, not just the vision, also the wild card as well. The Colts recently have failed to kind of give themselves a break or at least set themselves up to be in position to succeed when it comes to making the playoffs. You went on Sunday, you are again in the driver's seat going forward to be able to kind of give yourself that margin for error. So if you have one bad game, it's not a season ender like we kind of saw last year. So this is a big game for, for multiple reasons. Obviously, like I said, the division is huge. you got to get a season split with the Titans for sure. It'd be an impressive road win on Sunday. It would conclude in a, a pretty good 4-2-1 and one stretch to start the season here. And also, it would help, really help your wild card chances as the Colts do sit right now through six games as the seventh and final team in the playoffs, just like we thought, George, especially after week two. We all saw that coming for sure. Totally. Totally. We're tied, yeah, tied in Houston, and you thought, you know what? Six weeks from now, they'll, they'll be in playoff contention. They'll, they'll be in a spot. There's no doubt and, about it. And the team above them, like we just thought, too, the Jets, of course. Absolutely the Jets, you know, four and two. And that, that's, I think that's been the story of the AFC, though. We kind of touched on that, you know, at the top of this segment. But so many teams not living up to what expectations were. And I think the story of the next 11 weeks is going to be who who steps up and, and grabs it? You know, who among this group who we thought was going to be a better team can do what the Jets have done and and maximize their opportunities and, and start moving forward? It feels like there's a real big number of teams in that position that could do it. And, uh, you know, hopefully for the Colts' sake, there'll be one of them that does. Right, go take it. Everyone's given it. It's up for grabs right now. That's out of the top two teams. Go take it. There's no reason. You, it's like they don't have the talent to take it. Go do it right now, and this is a great test to see truly if the Colts are kind of legitimate contenders here in the AFC moving forward. When the Blue Horseshoe pod does return, there's one big key area the Colts have struggled in this year. Got a little bit better on Sunday, so it's a bright spot, but it's going to be ultra, ultra important when it comes to this Sunday matchup against the Titans. We'll tell you what that is when the Blue Horseshoe pod returns. All right, George, a big boost for this Colts team, and one of the reasons why they were able to score 34 points on Sunday was the fact that they were able to be efficient for the first time in the red zone this season. Four trips to the red zone, three touchdowns, which is something that we really cannot see a a lot of so far because this Colts team, we've kind of highlighted the importance of of red zone touchdown percentage of this Colts team. They're not very good at it it last year, and they have been up so so far up to, you know, through six games, I should say, very bad at it so far this season. They are 25th in the NFL when it comes to scoring touchdowns in the red zone. 47% 47% of the time. And that is with, by the way, going three out of four on Sunday. So it's still been a big issue. It's nice that you kind of saw it solved recently, but this is going to be a big key on Sunday against the Titans here. They got to be able to punch in, score six, and convert when you are deep in the red zone. It probably was the difference in the game last time around, right? I mean, I think we looked it up. Tennessee was three for three in the red zone. And the Colts, at the end of that game, what, the fourth quarter? I don't know about the red zone specifically, but I know they had – three trips inside the 30. So they're right there near the red zone. Right. Uh, zero points. Didn't even come away with field goals in a the game. They lost by seven. So yeah, I mean, that's how big it is. It, it cost them the last meeting with this team. Uh, and I think it's going to be important to watch it. And it's one of those things where you wonder, you know, one of the big arguments I think in football is does momentum matter? Is it real? Is it even, a, is it, is it a talking point or is it an actual, you know, functional uh, part of the game? They got hot at the end of this last this last game with Jacksonville. The last five drives were four touchdowns and a field goal. And obviously, you know, they were able to convert in the red zone during that stretch. 
can you carry that over? I don't know. I, what's your thought on that? Like, is momentum a real thing? Is it something that, that they can carry into Tennessee? I do think so. So I, I think like confidence is contagious. And Matt Ryan has been one of those guys that always has tried to instill confidence, even when you're down 20 to 3 in Houston. And it's easy to kind of roll your eyes. Like he was able to rally the guys where like if you have other quarterbacks who just kind of quiet, moping around, and maybe not as you know in your face of like, hey, we're gonna come back and win this game. Colts maybe don't come back and lose the game. Like I do think it may be, it may sound stupid. I'll be honest, but I do think it's one of the reasons why Tom Brady has been as great as he's been. Like it's not because he has a rocket arm or this, you know, four, three speed where no one could touch him. It's like, he's smart. He is, he knows to do the football, but he always keeps his guys in the fight. Like they never, the Patriots Colts fans, those the Patriots have never, ever quit in a game. That's Bill Belichick. That's great coaching. That's also having a great leader in Tom Brady kind of speaking to the rest of the team. I think Matt Ryan has done that this year where I do think momentum is contagious because he's one of those guys where it's like you can preach the message, but now when you are coming through in the fourth quarter, now when you have a game against Jacksonville, you do punch the ball in the last three trips to the red zone. Like you mentioned, they scored their final five drives of the game, and all, all five of those drives were key needed to get the Colts back into it, obviously taking the lead in the, in the fourth quarter. I do think that is able to kind of carry over. Because once you kind of see success happen for the first time, and that's kind of the Colts offense having success for the first time, I think it's contagious. And you kind of do start believing and and carrying yourself with more of a swagger compared to, let's say, coming off of the Broncos game or coming off of the Titans game when they just found different ways to beat themselves. And I think the red zone goes back into our theme for the season. We talked about it all year. We talked about it at the start of the year, being closers, closing drives, finishing off these drives. You know, I, I think that's what they've got to they've got to have that mindset in all areas. Defense had kind of done it the first five weeks. They've been closers. They were shutting teams off in the fourth quarter. They won the two wins. You know, they were able to shut the team down. They slipped up on that on Sunday, and the offense was able to come back and still, for the second time, take the lead in the fourth quarter with a game-winning drive. I mean, that that to me was the most impressive thing about that game. They went down. They scored. They took the lead. The defense gave it back with an what should have been a backbreaking 10 minute, 18 play drive, 18 and, plays and the offense got right back out there and went down and answered. That's why I kind of agree with you that momentum's real, because I think if you hadn't scored on the four previous drives, maybe you don't have that in you on Sunday, but at the bottom line, they've got to be closers down there in the red zone. You would think with Matt Ryan, that that's something they would do, that that's part of his mentality. Uh, they haven't done it consistently. And again, goes back to our favorite culprit. Give them a lot of credit on Sunday. The line played one of the best games you can imagine. Uh, most pass attempts in franchise history without a sack. The fifth most pass attempts in NFL history without a sack. All credit, all due credit to them and, and, and to Matt Ryan for making that happen. Uh, but the line's got to be better in the red zone. I mean, you, know, you go back and look at why those red zone uh, drives are not in into touchdowns. A lot of times because there's no room to run. And the quarterback's under too much stress. And two, to highlight the importance of the red zone, George, when you look, the Colts have one non-red zone touchdown this year. And that was the one Alec Pierce to win the game against the Jaguars, the 32-yarder. Every other touchdown has come when the Colts have been in the red zone. So when you don't have an explosive offense, when you can't score beyond the 20-yard line, it almost highlights even more important once you get down there, you have to convert and you have to score a six because otherwise – they're not scoring 50-yard touchdowns. They're not getting an 80-yard you know, yard run or an 80-yard touchdown pass. It's all coming within you know, the red zone. It's all coming inside of the 20. So anytime you get down there, it's not like the Colts are living in there either, by the way. Once you get down there, you have to maximize 
your opportunities. The Titans have done that. They're number one. The Titans are 92% in the NFL, a touchdown percentage in the red zone, number one in the NFL. You got to obviously keep them out of the red zone, but also match that. If they're getting down there and score touchdowns, you need to be doing the same because field goals are not winning this game. No. No, I found it out the first time. You yep. know what I mean? Look, look the way it went. Uh, again, three times in the fourth quarter that you're inside their 30 and you get zero points. That can't happen against anybody. It absolutely can't happen against this Tennessee team. They're not going to beat themselves. And the Colts have got to go out and be closers in, in every uh, every aspect of that word on Sunday. You know, every every phase of the game, everything they do, they've got to finish. I think that's what Tennessee does better than anyone. To finish off the pod here, George, we talked a lot of offense. Let's give the defense a little bit of light here because one of the areas that's going to be very interesting to watch on Sunday is the cornerback battle opposite Stephon Gilmore. Brandon Faison won the job out of training camp. He has been the starter for the most part. Isaiah Rodgers is starting to, you know, make some more appearances, getting more playing time. Is this the game? The the you know, we've highlighted the importance. Is this the game where you kind of start to see a flip in snap counts where it's now going to be more Isaiah Rodgers' job compared to Brandon Faison? Is, is this time you think Gus Bradley makes the move? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. We've seen the flip already. Like the last couple of weeks, Rodgers has gotten more snaps, but Faison remains the starter. And I think it's something that's bothering a lot of fans. I kind of understand where they're coming from right now. I think this is going to be really interesting because the biggest problem coming out of that Jacksonville game that we saw is run defense, right? I mean, that yes. was the number one issue. Uh, and that's obviously the number one concern you have against Tennessee. That's what they want to do. They want to run the ball. Faison got benched during that Titans game because he messed up a run fit. He gave up a touchdown or set up a touchdown early in the Jacksonville game because he missed a run fit. It's, you know, Frank Reich says all the time, it's about putting the players, the best players in the best position. It's players. It's not scheme. I think it's Isaiah Rogers time. I really do. Uh, you see him get in there. I, I know the idea is, well, face the bigger, more physical guy. Rogers is smaller. You want face on out there. But my, my lasting image of Rogers against Tennessee was him going out in the open field, making a tackle. I just think he's aggressive. I think he's played better. I think the time is now. And I think the, the Travis Etienne run that set the first touchdown was, was like the third or fourth play of the game, too. So it's like it's not like it's not like one thing where it's like he's playing a great game that oh it's just one mistake. It's like it's right away the first drive. There's another area of issue that was already, you know, a previous problem. And also, too, it goes back to the point, George. Like we've kind of talked about this before. The Colts right now are not good enough to where you can just kind of run things out there and expect different results and just kind of basically have the definition of insanity playing itself out. We credited, and we talked about the offensive line. They have to make a change to Frank Reich and Chris Josh's credit. They have moved things around, and it appears we have found their starting five. But that also came because there's a lot of tinkering going on, a lot of moving pieces moving around until they finally found it. You did it on the offensive line with the, the highest-paid unit in the NFL. You can't then just stop there and then just look at cornerback and say, ah, face on's fine, we'll just leave him out there. And sure, Isaiah Rodgers is getting maybe out-snapping him, but he's not starting. Like, No, you have to put the best 11 guys on the field, especially – without Shaq Leonard out there. Like, like, if you are already down with guys in the defensive line being injured, and now obviously you're, you know, you're all pro linebacker being out, you can't afford to have then another weak piece on defense at one of your cornerback uh, positions. Like, what are you doing? You got to put the, like you said, put the best 11 guys out there to give them a chance to succeed. And right now, Brandon Faison, I don't think you make the argument, is one of the best 11 guys on the Colts. Nope. And I think you can easily make the case that Isaiah Rogers is. I mean, it just seems like good things happen every time he's around the football, uh, picking up that, that muffed punt on Sunday. One of the kind of hidden plays that, that really were key in this victory. I mean, that's one of those moments where the Colts make one of those backbreaking mistakes. 
Rodgers just simply wouldn't let it happen. You know, I think he's a guy that just makes plays, and I, I think he's earned his spot. I think he deserves to play uh, not just more snaps. He deserves a start and then play, you know, honestly, the vast majority of the snaps. I'm with you because even when we saw last year, I liked what we saw. Like, I thought Isaiah Rodgers played well enough to earn the starting job coming into the training camp this year. Now, I get it. You know, he didn't perform and, and was beaten out. But I thought he played fine last year. You could have felt comfortable with him coming into the offseason, not making any moves, and him being your starting corner. I'm with you. It's definitely something interesting to watch as practice gets underway uh, for the Colts this week as they kind of get ramped up for, for the Titans this week because for how important this game is, you're right. You need to have your best 22 players on the field as much as possible. And you're right. He is definitely, Isaiah Rogers. that is, one of the best 22 players on the field. And like I said, even though it's special teams, not defense, it's just the heads up. It's like winning football plays. And those translate no matter what position you're playing on the field. If you just have a football player that knows when to make a play and kind of save disaster, but it's on special teams, that will translate to the defense. It has before, and to your point, I think it will do and happen again. But it's going to be fascinating to watch. Absolutely. You know, one of these things, is, it's never dull around here, right? There's always something going on. There's always a fire to be that put out true. somewhere. Uh, but it, it's what makes the NFL the greatest reality TV show going. That is a hundred percent true. So that'll do for this edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. As always, follow George on Twitter at GM Brem. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three to get our thoughts on the Colts all the time, whenever you uh, you please. We will be back for a preview pod on Friday morning. Get you set for Colts Titans the rematch. Can the Colts go to four two and one on the season? We'll give you our, our picks as well as goes behind enemy lines. It should be a very fun, very important podcast. Uh, for sure, if you get set for the Colts Science here, part two. So have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you on Friday on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.